Today, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Swan Private. Now, you know from listening to this show that our money is broken. Fortunately, we have Bitcoin, a better money that will help us build a brighter future. But if you don't have a Bitcoin strategy and a trusted partner to help you execute that strategy, then you're probably going to fall behind. Now, I've known the Swan Bitcoin team for years. The Bitcoiners at Swan are mission driven and have deep expertise and respect in the Bitcoin space. In my opinion, this is the team you want on your side. Today, I'd like to highlight Swan's private client services division, which guides high net worth individuals and businesses around the world toward building and preserving wealth with Bitcoin. So visit swanprivate.com and learn how this concierge service gives you direct access to your dedicated Bitcoin advisor by phone, messaging, and email. Swan will guide you on complex areas such as self-custody, or you can choose to hold your Bitcoin through Swan with one of the largest U.S. regulated custodians. So make your first purchase with Swan Private and get $100 of Bitcoin. Just tell them that I sent you. You know, an opportunity like this to build and preserve legacy impacting wealth for your family and company will not likely be seen again in our lifetimes. Sign up at swanprivate.com today, mention Breedlove to your advisor, and get $100 in free Bitcoin when you make your first buy. Sam Sorbo, welcome to the What Is Money show. Thank you so much. It's, uh, I've been listening to this show for quite a while, so it's a pleasure to be here with you. Oh, wow. I'm really honored to hear that. I did not know you were a fan, um, but it's I'm grateful to have you on here so we can talk about the topic that's become very important to me and is a passion of yours. Um, and I guess it's been a passion of mine, but I really just made it a professional thing recently to try to focus on the show. And the topic is education itself. Um, by way of introduction for my audience who may or may not know you, you are an education and freedom advocate, also a filmmaker and an author. And I'll mention, uh, you said you have an upcoming Project Playbook for Home Learning Conference. I hope I said that correctly. And then you yep. mentioned there's also a playbook and a textbook associated with that and another community, the underground education community. So with all of that, maybe you could just give us a brief intro on yourself and those projects and, and what you've got going on in the sphere of education today. Well, to begin, I just want to say part, part of the reason that I was drawn to your show is your show is really about education. What is money? Let's take a look at this. Let's 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 dive in. And I love the you have such an open nature about yourself saying, I want to learn. And that is actually something that is squashed inside our education system. Mm. And we, you know, we call it an education system, but it's actually in in a sense, it's the opposite of education. For instance, what's the first thing that you learn to do in school if you want to ask a question? I think it's raise your hand usually. You raise your hand, right? Yeah. You have to ask permission to ask a question. You have to wait to ask a question. You can't learn on your schedule. You have to learn on the teacher's schedule. You have to draw attention to yourself to ask right. a question. A lot of kids don't want to draw attention to themselves. And not only all of that, but it's it's viscerally learned, right? It's it's a it's yeah. a movement. In fact, a lot of people when they're answering the question, when I ask my audiences, they they raise their hands like right, this is right. what you do. I, I know the answer, teacher. Right. And if you think about it, if you if you really delve into what this means. 
this is a deterrent. It's actually a deterrent to asking questions, which is, in a sense, the opposite of education. Because if we can just admit that, you know, maybe we can't entirely agree, but education should be at least the quest for knowledge, right? Yes. What yeah. does that begin with? Well, right. it doesn't begin with a deterrent to asking questions. It ought to begin with questions. And so just on its very surface, we can poke holes in this theory that we are actually endeavoring to accomplish education in our school system today. Wow. Oh, that's super interesting. I like how you describe raising your hand as permission because that whole notion of permission is not something we we like in the bitcoin and freedom maximalism world the idea of getting rid of as much permission as possible yes Um, exactly but yeah you're making the point that we i guess sort of condition a response in ourselves to try and engage in that educational process that involves this implicit asking of permission when we put the hand up and so much exactly. so it becomes so embedded in us that you said, like, we still do that. Adults do that, right? And if you just ask an audience, people will raise their hands. But not only that, so now we are conditioned to waiting to ask for permission before we question anything, right? Mm. Which, which is actually just waiting to ask for permission mm-hmm. for anything. So mm-hmm. I was at a conference. Uh, it's, it was actually a film festival, but I had a young woman come up to me and say, um, in a very sort of lilting, sort of cartoonish voice. And it was a beautiful voice, but it, and, and you just immediately pictured, my gosh, she should be doing cartoon voiceover because her mm-hmm. voice was so t- unique. Mm-hmm. And she said, I want to get into voiceover. And I said, okay, well, what have you done so far? And she was basically went off on a litany of all the different permissions that she needed. Well, first I have to find an agent, but in order to find an agent, I have to do a demo. So I need to find somebody to help me do the demo, but then I need to write it. So I need to find somebody to help me write the demo so that I can then record it. And then I need somebody to, you know, and, and all of this, right. That has been engendered by the school system that taught her, you need permission. You need to, you need a teacher. For instance, you can't learn anything without a teacher. That's another one of the lies in our school system. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can learn any now with the internet, you literally can learn anything without a teacher. Yeah. But you know, Abe Lincoln learned everything basically without a teacher, right? We yeah. we know that whole story. So so I'm I'm chatting with her and I said, you know, uh, you don't need a big recording studio. You've got your iPhone, right? This mm-hmm. this is a tremendous tool. It's got great recording equipment. You go into your closet where the sound is muffled, ex- the extraneous sound is muffled, the room tone, and you record and then you play it for people and you say, what do you think? And you, you've got all the power mm-hmm. that you need, but that power has been diminished by the messaging that happens in our schools, right? Right. I, I, and, and this happened. And so I'm seeing this more and more. The, the more... So I raised all three of our kids. I homeschooled from wow. uh, when my oldest went through second grade and I was just dissatisfied. The only reason I started homeschooling was because I thought they, they were doing a crap job and yeah. we moved for the schools because that was the good public school. And I was just like, you know, I think I could fail at educating them <laughs> and they'd still be better off. I mean, right. sadly, that's how disillusioned I was at that point. Yeah. So, so, uh, so I homeschooled them all the way through, but it took me 10 years 
to realize how injured I've been by my own schooling. And I was a good right. student, but I learned to ask permission. Yeah. I learned that there's always an expert, right? Right now we're living in a time of mm. ask the experts. In fact, that's probably a deterrent to the, the Bitcoin um, involvement is absolutely well, who's the expert that I can trust on this, right? right? Well, and a lot of the experts too are from legacy finance. And so they have, there's almost like this incentive blindness associated with it, where if you make money off this legacy system, then you're not um, exactly inclined to see the limitations of that system. Right. It's, uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, if you're a central oh, the banker power of the understatement, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you make money printing money, you don't you tend to not see a problem with printing money, but the rest of us feel the problems of printing money. So of it's an course. excellent point. Um, I, I want to double click on something you said there, where you're talking about this, this uh, conditioning or waiting for permission with a raising of hands. I, my thoughts immediately went to starting a business too, where the young lady that wants to do voiceover is thinking of all the hurdles she has to clear before she can start the business, right? Of doing whatever she's doing, recording her voice. We have a similar situation in the world today where you try to just so start a simple business in a lot of these over-regulated places and you end up, you do have to ask for permission. You do have to pay for the business license. You do have to wait 60 days, 90 days, whatever it is. So does that, I mean, that conditioning doesn't seem to really stop even after childhood education. And do you think that ask the, ask the expert mentality is a derivative of that? Because I would, I would almost say like the whole trust the science thing we just saw the past two years <laughs> on the point you of question. right through me. You saw right through me. <laughs> well, but look, the, we, went, we went from two weeks to flatten the curve. Mm -hmm. which is is decent science because you're dealing with a complete unknown right so two weeks uh, unless our our health resources become overflowed let's just put us put a pin in it for two weeks just hit pause yeah. right two weeks isn't going to kill anybody we're not yeah. shutting down businesses or anything but for mm -hmm. two weeks but we went from that to slow the spread Mm -hmm. And I immediately started asking, well, why not speed the spread? Like, where's the science on slow the spread? Since it yeah. hasn't been delivered that the two weeks really accomplished uh, that it that it needed to be that it needed to happen to accomplish what it did. Right. Mm -hmm. But all but but nobody asked a question. Everybody was like, trust the experts. Just wait till they tell us what to do. Mm -hmm. And then when they told us what to do, holy smokes, we just all did it. Right. And so, yes, I think absolutely. That's why all, literally for the past two, two plus weeks, I've been toying with this idea that we are all school injured in one way right. or another, right. because we've all been trained Programmed by the even. trainers. Right. And the trainers have taught us, for instance, so, so my bailiwick is home education. Right. Mm -hmm. And I want to encourage everybody to home educate their children because that's the that's the secret sauce. That's like the special people don't understand what they sacrifice when they drop their kids off at school. Um, for instance, culture tells us that teenagers rebel. Mm. And when you have a teenager, you're just going to get the eye rolls and the, oh, mom, and oh, you know, dad's so dumb, right? That's what culture tells us. And I tell you that that is a construct 
that's been basically been um, uh, fabricated mm. in the schools, right? Mm. They've, they've actually created this. And because all the teenagers go to school, they all end up with this nasty attitude toward their parents. But if you go to a homeschool convention, you start meeting teenagers who are respectful, can carry on a conversation with anybody, including mm-hmm. the adults in the room, right? And it's not just it's not just a, you know, yes, no, thank you conversation. Mm-hmm. It's an actual exchange of ideas, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and it just dispels all of these notions that we've bought into hook, line, and sinker because we all went to school. Right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting how much of... I. W- we almost just don't see it, right? There's so much cultural, I would use the word programming almost. You described yes. training or training the trainers, but um, I wonder how deep this goes because I'm thinking <laughs> of even the Pledge of Allegiance, right? I remember when I first set foot into kindergarten and that was the first thing we learned was the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. Um, to what degree is the education system uh, I guess, purposefully imprinting on children, trying to program them to ask permission or pledge allegiance to the flag. Like, do you think this is part of the purpose of design of the education system? So initially the education, the the idea of public education was to instill biblical values because Mm. this nation is based on freedom. And if you don't, if you're not moral, if you're not morally principled, we can't have freedom because you have to, you have to have the moral compulsion to obey laws and to not try to hurt people intentionally and the golden rule and all that. You have to have that, that has to be morally compelled Mm -hmm. because no amount of laws are going to make you law abiding. Can't legislate morality. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so, and, and all morale, and by the way, we, all of our laws are in some way an expression of our morality. Mm-hmm. So, so that was the original idea. And then basically the system was hijacked, if you will, by people who said, Hey, we need factory workers. We need people mm-hmm. who are programmed to do certain jobs for us. Um, and so we, we entered into the um, individual classrooms for individual age groups, which makes absolutely no sense. Right. There's no reason that you shouldn't be able to excel if you're younger yeah. <laughs> or that you, you know, should feel a, 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 like now we hold back basically the entire class because there are a few stragglers. Like it right. just makes no sense. So, so we morphed our education system over time um, and we didn't pay attention much to the results. If you look at the results today of our education, what we call our education system, it's hardly education. In fact, right. the governor of, uh, Oregon came out last year and said, you know, kids don't have to know math or know how to read to graduate high school. We'll just graduate them anyway. Well, that's not educate. Like then, then what are they actually about? And now of course we're seeing the the tremendous stuff that's coming out of the schools. Now the CRT, the critical race theory, the Mm. pornography, the gender theory that's coming out of the classrooms Mm. now. And it's, it's, it's obscene. It's absurd. It's terrible. And so parents are waking up to this and they're saying, oh my gosh, there's gotta be a better way, but I can't homeschool. Why? Because they were taught. I, I say this now, the sole competency in our public schools is to teach people how incompetent they are. 
Because if you went all the way through high school, but you're like, yeah, I don't know how to teach my third grader. I just, uh, I don't know. Right. And then you have to go, you have to take a step back and go, why don't I know enough to teach a third mm-hmm. grader? Right. But you don't because what you go to is I'm stupid. They're smart. And the reason that you go to I'm stupid and the school is smart is because that's what they taught you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it would be nefarious. And I believe it, it in a sense it is if, if it weren't hilarious, like, so you're telling me that you can't teach your third grader. So you're going to send your third grader into a system that turned out the likes of you. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, show me where the logic is there. I've never right? thought about it that way. That's so hilarious. Um, yeah. So conditioning this dependency, this dependency on experts or dependency on yes. the system. Well, it is. It's government schools, right? Right. Of course. And and by the way, have you noticed how far towards socialism we are heading? Because right. the government's in charge of teaching civics. Now, in the United States, civics is the power resides with the people, right? The government is of the people, by the people, for the people, mm-hmm. and the people vote. Does our do our schools teach us how to vote? How to how to determine which candidate rep best represents our values? Why we should vote? what voting is for, how laws are made, how the government works. No, <laughs> they've done away with civics. Now they, t- now they teach the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights and a whole bunch of other communist propaganda wow. because it serves the government to serve itself. Of course. And the way it serves itself is it teaches people how necessary it is. It's so necessary. Right. We need more. And that's why we have these young, uh, uh, young people in schools and they travel all the way to Washington, D.C. to demand gun laws. Right. <laughs> right. You're my government. You fix it now. You're yeah. my government. You take care of us. You give us health care now because you're my government. And what do they know? They went to school. So they were taught that government is there to fix it. Government right. is their cradle to grave for you, darling. Yeah, yeah. What well, it seems like, you know, I talked to this guy Balaji about this topic once, and he said there's just a real fundamental breakdown in society when you replace, basically, when you remove God, when you remove God from the equation. Because as you said earlier, <laughs> education system founded on biblical principles to teach us morality so we can function as a free society. Well, when you take God out of that equation, you get this nature abhors a vacuum thing. And it seems like government just fills the void. Yes. And so they start to so government themselves as, God. as a theocracy of some kind, perhaps. Yeah, but they would never call it that because you can't have religion, right? Separation of, of church and state, right? Yeah. All of those like, but I'll go you one further. This is, this is the newest theory that I've been working on. So, so even in pagan times, they believed in spirits. They believe mm-hmm. that there was something beyond, right? Mm-hmm. And we know from mathematics that there are laws in math that apply to the physical world. Mm-hmm. But there are also laws, like, like, uh, like the gravitational constant, right? Mm-hmm. 32 feet per second. Like that's mm-hmm. a constant. That's a mathematical law. It applies in the real world. But there are laws in math that don't apply, mm-hmm. which means it makes no sense for them to have developed unless there's something extra 
out there right. for them to apply to, right? Okay, right. so, but leave that aside. We're going into the public schools now. And the public schools banished religion. Mm-hmm. In a sense, they didn't banish religion. They banished God, but religion stayed. It's mm-hmm. called secular humanism. But what they did was they said, there is no such thing as spirituality. That's just hocus pocus. Religion mm-hmm. is hocus pocus. Um, we'll teach world religions. We'll treat them all the same, which means that they're all equally, uh, equally zeros, right? They're, they're, mm. they're equally meaningless. And if you want religion, well, that's what some people need as a crutch. So they've, so they've basically removed religion and made their students disdainful of religion. Now, if, if you grow up in a religious household and you get church once a week, maybe that will do something, maybe. But I dare say uh, an hour a week in church is not going to mitigate everything that you're taught every day for you know seven hours a day yeah. um, going to school. Okay, so then what is the school's value hierarchy? Well, we know that the school is college prep and career readiness. That's what they promise us. And that's how we're supposed to value them. So clearly that that's where they see their value is instilling these ideas of college prep and career readiness. So let's break that down. Career readiness. Well, we're not achieving that because we have kids graduating from college, completely unable to hold a job, much less a career, right? The statistics are in college. So then we're left with college prep. Well, what is college prep? College prep is basically a pyramid scheme. I'm going to convince you (laughs) and your parents to spend a ton of money so that you can learn enough to maybe go get a job that will pay you what more money so that you can pay me back. It's like, it's like the, the cleverest Ponzi scheme ever. But more than that, what we've done is we've set that child up for a life of misery because they will constantly be chasing the dollar because they tie their value to success and success is defined as college prep and career readiness or as the almighty dollar or perhaps in current lingo bitcoin but uh-huh. right so monetary value yes. that's how they value themselves right so then they go through their lives they get a job maybe maybe they achieve that maybe they don't if they don't and they're unhappy they go yeah but i didn't i could never get that brass ring that they put out for me i'm such a loser but say they do and they get everything that they ever dreamed of and they've got the corner office and they've got mm. the, the hot wife and they've got everything right there. They've, they've made it 2.5 kids. Right. And they, and they still, and by the way, the kids are then stolen away by the schools and they're taught that dad's a loser and that mom's kind of dumb too, because you know, she gives you plastic bags in your lunch and plastic bags kill dolphins and right. And their authorities undermined and, and all of that. And so at the age of 55, the guy or the, or the wife who they've had this successful career, they've achieved everything that they were told was the meaning of life. And they go, why am I not happy? Why is this not fulfilling me? I was told that this should be my happiness and yet I'm still not happy. What's wrong with me? Not what's wrong with the system that they told me this would make me happy, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but what's wrong with me? And so they go see, the psychologist or the psychiatrist, or they get a new wife or they buy a Porsche or they, right. Mm -hmm, Because mm -hmm. they're, because they're looking for that thing to fulfill them. That is, that is success. And that of course is not what's fulfilling. What's fulfilling in life is understanding that your value is tied to your ability to sacrifice. Right. 
completely different concept. But in school, we're taught sacrifice is bad. Sacrifice is, you know, don't sacrifice anything. You can have it all, Robert. Right. You can have it all. Right. You're a young woman. You can have it all. You can have kids and the marriage and the highfalutin career and you can travel the world. And guess what? You can't. Yeah. You can't. And guess what? You don't want it because what you sacrifice to have it all is the most meaningful thing in your life. Wow. Uh, yeah. Kind of reminds me of the everybody gets a trophy trophy mentality as well, where it's almost like there's some type of moralistic camouflage here where the government's trying to say, let's do away with all inequality, right, is a big one to attack. It's like there are no differences between people. Everyone's the same. But in doing that, you are, first of all, you're denying a reality. Like we're all different. We're all better in some ways and worse in some ways, different across different performative dimensions. And the only way you can get actual equality, you know, it's our inequality that makes us great. Ultimately, like the fact that it's you're good flaws. at one, it's the fact that you're good that at one thing. Fabulous. Yes. Our Sorry, flaws, that make, flaws that make us fabulous. I'm just thinking in a pure economic sense, that comparative advantage is what makes trade so fruitful for humans. The fact that oh, one person yes. does one thing better than another, and we can each capitalize on our specialties, basically, and rely on one another to fill in our weak points, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not a great cook. I'm not a good home builder, but I can go and get food and buy a home from people that are good at it. Um, it yeah, and that's lost. In the, the, in the schools, we don't teach what's amazing to me is that exchange, right? That, that you turn over your hard-earned dollars because you're good at dollars or Bitcoin, right? You turn over your currency for something that has more value to you than that currency does at that point because you're hungry, right? And so you right. get something of value. And in the exchange, wealth is created. It's a right. spiritual transaction and that yes. is completely lost on our kids. And they're told that wealth somehow is evil, right? right. Or, or something to that effect. Um, I wanted to, uh, shoot, I lost my train of thought. No, no, I, I want to echo back what you said, the idea of it being spiritual in nature. Like when the exchange is voluntary for both parties, you know, you and I would yes. only negotiate and consummate a trade if you think you're going to be better off after the trade. And I think I'm going to be better off. Like we both leave the trade better off, at least psychologically. Well, and that is, yeah. that's the key. That's the key is like, keep it voluntary. Keep it free. Well, let's talk about this. We're having a conversation and in our conversation, we're trading. Mm -hmm. That's right. And we both feel like the trade is valuable. Like I'm, I'm spending my time to talk to you. You're spending your time to talk to me, Yes. but we feel like hopefully we will, we will leave this conversation better. Yes. and improved and more, more wealthy perhaps yes. in our thinking. Right? right. And so, in fact, this is the forward to my book. Uh, Cause I was explaining this to the kids. Why do we have conversation? Because we grow in, in theory, when we have valuable conversations, we grow yeah. in our knowledge, in our, our knowledge, wealth. Yeah. Which, knowledge which wealth, is the root right? of wealth. Right. right. And this is why we see the left attacking the conversation mm -hmm. and trying to silence it yes. because they hate wealth, right? all kinds of wealth, and they want universal poverty for everybody. 
It's socialism of the brain. Yes. And so, okay. Agree. And that's exactly what I was trying to say a minute ago. The fact that they're, we could call the left here, they're attacking our ability to perceive differences in one another, right? So even when you attack the money, for instance, or you attack language, as critical race theory and these other programs are doing, they're eliminating the meaningfulness of uh, these media of communication, whether it's words or money. And so what does that do? That's because, you know, for, the, for you and I to engage in that free exchange, where we're each going to spend our time and attention in a conversation, there also has to be this kind of implied assumption that you have something that to teach me, basically, and then maybe vice versa. That's why you would engage in dialogue with someone. But when you start to remove that, uh, it, that, that attitude of inquiry or curiosity, then you're just, if I'm just sitting here and I just have something yeah. to tell you, then like, it's not a conversation anymore. It's just, I'm propagandizing <laughs> and maybe if the other person equalized, yeah. which is what they are. But if we're equalized, like if we're completely equal and there's no difference, then there's no exchange. Cause why would there, why would exactly. there be an exchange? Yes. It's like the two solutions have the same, uh, uh, the same, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There has um, to be polarity between the two, right? There has to be polarity. And yeah. so if, if, if everybody's the same and nobody's different, and that's why, for instance, when they stop assigning trophies, the kids don't want to play anymore. Right. Because the game is who wins. The yes. game isn't right. let's just play. I mean, yes, the game is also let's just play. Of course. But, but if you take away who wins, you take away the, the heart well, of the game. Yeah, yeah the pursuit the of excellence. That's right. Yeah. And that, I mean, that has very real implications for adult life where you do have to actual, actually engage in competitive pursuits to pursue excellence, right? To be the best in whatever field. And that's what benefits yes. all of us. Yes, they're right? crippling. They're crippling young people yes. by telling them. But for instance, the, probably the worst thing you can say to a young person is you're perfect the way you are. <laughs> you, you absolutely kill them then because they know they're not perfect, but they, but they believe you because you're the adult. And then they go, well, if this is all it is, then, then I'll just off myself right now. Like, what's the point? They think right? there's something wrong with them. That's right. Yeah. Versus telling so, them we all feel that way. Yeah. We, we and, and none of us are perfect and we should all strive to do better. Yes. And here's, here's one way that you could do better. Don't yell at your sister so much or, you know, like, right. We're all striving to do better. Yeah. And by the way, there's, there's an intrinsic lack of redemption in this message that everybody is perfect the way they are. Yeah. In other words, then if you, then if you do something wrong, there's no forgiveness available because you can't admit that it was wrong because nothing's wrong. Right, right, right. It's, it's such a, it's so self-defeating. It's, it's the snake always eats its own tail. Yes. And so, so what we're seeing now is people slowly waking up with what is, with what is child abuse in our schools, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it used to be, it used to be that if a grown man wanted to have a child writhing around on his lap, uh, that was considered perverse. Mm -hmm. But now if the grown man slaps on a dress and a wig, it's considered cute and equity or something. Uh, you know, but there are, there are enough people who are waking up and saying, no, 
no, no, there's, there's something wrong here. And, and so that's just my mission is to empower them mm-hmm. to call it out, to yeah. empower. In fact, I was just at a conference speaking and a, a gal came up to me afterwards and said, I didn't know it, but thank you for giving me permission. Like wow. we need people to speak to us yeah. because we are so closed down by what we experienced in school. Mm-hmm. No, no, don't interrupt the teacher. No, no, you wait your turn. No, you may not go to the bathroom right now. Right. Uh, you know, all of these. And by the way, it's also, I will say, it's been a, an, an extraordinary limitation on our ability to learn. Because right. when you tell some, like, I don't, I don't know, you're, you're a deep thinker, right? So do you ever just sit and think and try to figure something out and try to work on it. And you don't want to be interrupted because you're going into like deep thought and you want to, you want to be able to concentrate and really focus on that and not be led off, off the path that you're on. And in school, children have to move to the sound of a bell. Right. I mean, Pavlov, anybody, right? Right. So, so no, it's time to put your math books away. No, you'll have to go back to those problems and try to figure out what, you know, You'll have to go back and it's very frustrating for a young person who just constantly or constantly every 45 minutes or whatever is forced to change tracks. Right. And maybe 10 a.m. isn't the best time for them to be doing math. Maybe they're better doing math right after lunch. We don't know. We're just applying a universal one size fits all to children in school. And again, it goes back to this idea. So, so that was the, that was the foundation for this idea of equity or equality as, as you were talking about is, is that, well, we all go to school and we all do 10th grade when we are 16 years old or whatever it is. Right. Um, and, and that's, that's a false paradigm. The entire school structure is built on a false paradigm. Hmm. Now I'd like to tell you about a great new Bitcoin show on the scene that you've got to check out. Brought to you by Swan Studios and Bitcoin Magazine, this show is Hard Money with Natalie Brunel. Natalie is an Emmy-nominated journalist bringing unparalleled experience to the Bitcoin media scene. And personally, Natalie is one of my favorite voices in the Bitcoin space. Each week on Hard Money, you'll get the top headlines of the week with analysis you won't find anywhere else. Hard-hitting interviews with amazing guests like myself and other top minds in the Bitcoin space. And the show will take you directly into the lives being changed by Bitcoin all over the world. Check out Hard Money at swan.com backslash hard money. Today, I want to tell you about our sponsor, CrowdHealth. So how does health insurance work? You send an egregious amount of money to an insurance company. They hold it in a pool of depreciating fiat currency. Then, when you have a large health event, you have to pay them even more via your deductible. And then you hope they will cover your bill. And in fact, one in six bills are denied by healthcare.gov plans. It's time to take control of your own healthcare bills. I'd like to introduce you to CrowdHealth. It's a decentralization of healthcare using Bitcoin as an alternative to health insurance. Instead of sending fiat currency to a big corporation, you send that money to an account controlled by you, a portion of which is converted into Bitcoin. Then, if you have a big health event, you have a community of Bitcoiners that will use the money in their accounts to help you out. To get more details, go to joincrowdhealth.com backslash breedlove. 
where you can find the promo code for $99 a month for six months. The woman you said that you gave her permission just by speaking out, teaching people to speak out about this. Um, teaching the them to understand that what, what, they've in, what they have absorbed right. in school, a lot of it's wrong. For instance, uh, one of the big messages in school is don't fail, right? If you think of failure, you think of a, a white sheet of paper with a red F on it and this sinking mm -hmm. feeling in your gut and, oh my gosh, don't fail, right? But let's extrapolate that a little bit. What does don't fail teach you? It's really don't try, right? Right. And if you think about it, talk to any entrepreneur and ask him what the secret to success is. And he'll say, well, I failed a lot. Yeah, right? Benjamin right. Franklin said, I, sorry, no, it was Thomas Edison said, I just found 10,000 ways to not invent a light bulb. <laughs> right? right. Yeah. But, but we teach our children in school. Don't fail. I, I was talking to a young woman and she said that she used to come home from school and her dad would say, how did you fail today? Cause I want to celebrate your failures because it means you tried. Mm, right? It's a completely different way of looking at that. Yeah. So, so in school we teach, don't ask and don't try. Right. Right. And then the final thing, which is what it's sort of devolved into is the number one, the number one question in classrooms today is teacher, will this be on the exam? Because I only want to memorize the stuff that I have to learn to pass the test. Right. I don't want to have to think. Just tell me what I need to know. So it's don't ask, don't try, don't think. That's the opposite of education. That's just plain simple. That's the opposite of education. Now, now do some kids like they go through the system and they they get it? Like they 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 get it worked out and they learn and they grow and yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. but less and less, fewer and fewer. And the parents who really care about their kids are starting to question what's it all about. Right. Right. So we've got the spiritual element, which is going to hamstring them later in life uh, in one way, shape or form, because you shouldn't be going through life disdainful of everything spiritual. Mm -hmm. You just shouldn't. You should open yourself up to possibilities at the very least, mm -hmm. right? But they close them off. And then you should, you should understand that you can teach yourself anything. That was the big thing that my, my children taught me. So the other thing is parents drop their kids off at school and they have no idea what they're sacrificing because all they're focused on is what they're getting. Oh, you're going to give me an educated child back. All right. That's all. That's all they're focused on, which is erroneous, because not only are we seeing that educated children are not uh, proven, right anymore, mm -hmm. not a given, but our culture doesn't talk about the fact that they sacrifice their relationship with their children. Mm -hmm. Again, just the other day, I heard another story of a guy who sent his two daughters off to I think it was Berkeley. Uh, they were conservative when they left home. And four years later, they came back hating their parents. They don't even right. visit anymore. Like it's, you know, and if you think that four years of college is enough to, uh, to effectuate that shift, you're sorely mistaken. It was happening all along. They just didn't see it because they mm. were on the treadmill. They, they were on the bandwagon and they were doing, you know, they were going to the, to the football games together. So they thought everything was fine, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's not. And so there's a whole shift that has to take place. We have to 
rethink the way that we think about education because we've been so conditioned to think about education in one way. Like even, mm -hmm. even you, we were talking briefly about your three and a half year old and you mm -hmm. want to world school her, which I heartily support. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of people are going, okay, so what curriculum do I need? Well, you're right. still thinking like the school knows what it's doing. Right. And so you're going to go get a curriculum and you're going to just apply school to the child and the child will then be schooled. Yeah. We've all been schooled, but we're not educated. Something like um, we had so much success with standardization and in industry that we tried to just map that onto the education system. And Correct. It, we're not humans are not widgets, right? Like we need this creative space to explore our own interests and talents um and that's great what you I, just did what you just did was a gift because we are standardizing humans and in fact that's exactly the goal with equity exactly right we're all equal in poverty or the grave basically um <laughs> okay. I, I just wanted to, <laughs> that's very I, good i wanted to echo, morbid, but yeah <laughs> i mean this when i consider equality is like there show me anywhere humans are equal the equality doesn't exist anywhere in nature so far as i can tell everything's a competition and everyone's different basically Granted. so um yeah i don't i think equality if you force equality you're standardized for it it's a really bad outcome i did want to highlight well, something. and the thing is and it's it's so good that you point out that it just doesn't exist anywhere um and i think that the kids in school understand this and so the everyone gets a trophy is just frustration to them they, and right, they get angry about it they don't like it and i'm not convinced that anger wouldn't be a desired outcome by the people who are trying to implement this right because angry people are easier to control right and so you know we're delving into a whole deeper kind of a topic of conditioning children to be resentful and rebellious right um, and we shouldn't be surprised, frankly, when you're teaching children that they are the culmination of a series of accidents of nature. And evolution right. is true, which is actually survival of the fittest. And then at the same time, you're telling them, but don't bully. Bullying is wrong. So you've got these two things, survival of the fittest, mm -hmm. but bullying is wrong. Right. And you see that they're completely contradictory. But it's no wonder that you have young men going in and shooting up the very institutions right. that have produced this this tremendous um, frustration. In right? Them. Yeah. We'll just yeah, because that's what it is. It's it's a denial of the Darwinian reality we inhabit. Like you've got to be a top performer in whatever field to you know succeed and add value to the world, um, and not and no one nowhere in the real world does everyone get a trophy so like that the whole thing is just this weird kind of perverse mirage i wanted to just highlight something you said earlier where you were equipping this individual with the permission as she called it to speak out it reminds me of this quote that i really like from peterson and he says when you have something to say silence is a lie so it seems like part of the the deal with yeah. this model is to condition people into silence right if you because a lot of people i think of the typical classroom 
there's a lot of people that maybe have the same question, but there's typically only one or a few that will actually, you know, raise their hand or otherwise draw attention to themselves yeah. to ask that question because of that friction, perhaps, which I had never thought about before. I think that's a great way to look at it. But um, inducing conformity, right? You're not trying to actually get these students to be critical thinking or adaptive or independent you're really trying to get them to conform to this mold and then that mold seems to carry forward into just being a good working citizen in society like it's much easier to tax you know a hard worker than it is a critical thinker i think so <laughs> maybe this pyramid scheme you describe in the education system is very closely related to the pyramid scheme in our money which is the reason government is as big as it is because it's the only business in the world that can just print money. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack in what you just said. And, uh, and I, I agree. I think uh, is they're very closely tied. In fact, we know from, from documents and, and literature uh, on from people who were in charge or, or, you know, foundational to the development of our modern education system that their design was to, to turn out worker bees and to keep people stupid. There's a quote, uh, it's, it's escaping my mind right now, but there is a quote uh, by uh, somebody about standardized tests are mm. really just implemented to show people how stupid they are to keep them in their place. And so there's definitely that. In fact, you know, I talk about this. So I did a, I did a TV show for a while called um, Schools Out with Sam Sorbo. It's on Epic uh, TV. And I talk about the gaps that form right in our, in our education. Cause it's, cause it's a treadmill. And if you step off the treadmill, because I don't know, you're sick for a day or you go to the bathroom when the teacher's talking, right. When you come back, you're, you're further behind on the treadmill, but everyone else is up there. And so you can barely hear the lecture because you're too far back. So you, mm -hmm. you a gap is formed in your learning. And I had somebody write me and say, Oh my gosh, that made so much sense to me. I remember the two moments that the gaps formed for me in math. And so now I'm just not a math person. I've never liked math and wow. I can't do math, right? For Okay, there's another lie. The school system is so filled with lies at this point. One of them is you're either a math science person or you're a literature languages humanities person. Right. That's a lie. There is no mm -hmm. such thing as a math brain. Everything is created and everything leads to thought, right? Mm -hmm. Math is just a foreign language. Mm -hmm. It's a foreign language expressing ideas and thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so you, there is no such thing as a math brain. You just have to learn to speak math. Right. But the teacher doesn't teach you how to speak math because they're looking at it as either, either you get it or you don't get it. That's just life, you know? Um, yeah. And, and frankly, that's not how we treat children when we're teaching them English. We're like, no, yeah. the subject noun goes first and then the verb, darling. <laughs> we don't talk backwards <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. So, so, but you said something else about, oh, Peterson, if you have something to say, then silence is a lie. Yeah. A lie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's the silence of omission or the, the lie of omission. Right. 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 And there are a lot of lies of omission. And I, I guess that really speaks to me because. I can't shut up about this stuff because I, because I see people doing themselves disservice 
right. thinking about themselves wrong, wrongly. Uh, the woman who, who, who thanked me for giving her, I didn't know I gave her permission. She didn't know she needed permission. But there was something to what I said about the schools and how we've been conditioned to accept things that we never test. Right. We don't test them for truth, for veracity. We just accept them because they came to us from on high. Yes. And we're conditioned to believe the expert, the person on high, whatever, mm -hmm. the teacher, right? Um, we're conditioned to believe, for instance, that the teacher is the spigot of knowledge. And, and it's, it's a huge discovery one day that we come across, if we're lucky, we stumble across. The teacher didn't actually know anything except what was in the book that day, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, so your, your, you know, high school history teacher really just wants to teach gym, but they said to him, you know, we, we know you're athletic and you like the athletics, but we need you to teach a, a course. So we're going to give you history. Here's the book, read yeah. up over the summer and do the course. Like, seriously, that's how it's done. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what, everybody, all the answers are in the textbooks. Right. So get a good textbook, find good answers, right? Because some of them are crap, uh, right? And you can teach yourself literally anything. Oh, and that's what I was going to say. So my kids, my first kid is basically an actor. I've got that covered. Like my husband and I are both actors. We'll figure that out for him. We'll, we'll get, we'll, we'll shepherd him. We can teach him, okay? Right. My second is an engineer and I went to school for engineering, so... I got that covered. I can teach him, meaning I can guide his education and I can be his teacher, even through calculus if he needs it, because I did calculus and I tutored it. So I got it covered. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm still thinking in this compartmentalized way about how school equals education, which is a lie. I hadn't woken up yet. And my daughter was about 11 and she's an artist um, and she's been an artist since she was very little. Uh, painting and drawing and every and I, when she was about five, I said to her, "Look, if you really like art, why don't you purpose to draw every day for fifteen minutes? Because it's important to encourage young people in pursuing something that they like. Mm -hmm. They 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 tend to need permission. They need mm -hmm. to know that that door's open to them. And and it's our job as parents to open doors for our children. So I so I I encouraged her." Well, she draws three, three hours a day from the age of six on, like it's crazy. Mm -hmm. And she gets better and better and better. And she's terribly gifted. Mm -hmm. And so when she was about 11, I, I just hit my knees. I'm like, God, my firstborn, I've got it covered. My secondborn, sure. I think you made a mistake with Tavy. Like, I, <laughs> I think this is because I don't get it. I don't know how to teach this. Yeah. How am I going to teach this God? Right. And I was talking to uh, my sister, actually. And she said, well, does she like to draw human beings? And I said, yeah, she draws a lot of people. And she says, well, uh, you know, anatomy would be a good thing for her to learn. And I'm thinking, great, I'll get her an anatomy teacher. That's, that's the teacher mm -hmm. that she needs because all the knowledge comes from the teacher. Mm -hmm. Are you following me? No. Ran up to her bedroom where she's always drawing. And I said, let's get you an anatomy class. And she looked at me kind of with a little bit of pity. She said, Oh, mom. And she pulls out her sketchbook and she shows me a double page spread of drawings, like lots of drawings of the human knee anatomically. Wow. Because kids know everything's available on YouTube. Yeah. She's right. been studying anatomy 
all by herself. Wow. And that's why on the TV show I did, I call it self-teaching. It's a self-teaching paradigm. Our job is to open the world for the kids, yes. protect them, right? but empower them in their special giftings. And, and by the way, if you don't see children as, as gifts from God, as created beings with special, unique abilities, then of course you'll put them in school where they is, where they're treated as, as equal to everyone else and they're mm -hmm. forced to conform and they're encouraged to follow directions, mm -hmm. right? And to, and to wait for directions to follow, to wait yes. for the directions right. to follow, right? But if you want your children to be free, that's why I'm an education freedom advocate, mm -hmm. right? If you want to empower your child to be free, then start young and, and then just wait to see like, like the job of the parent is, is also in the discovery mm -hmm. of what did God give me this time? Right. Like, this is crazy. I never thought it could be this good. And then the final thing is the relationship that you have with your children when you choose to keep them outside of an institution, right? Because mm -hmm. I don't believe children should be institutionalized. Yeah. We're the, wow. I think we're the only developed uh, a culture to institutionalize healthy people. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Sounds so obvious um, when you say it like that. <laughs> yeah. Is, is the relationship that you develop with your children, which is, you know, my teenagers, they never rolled their eyes at me. Yeah. It, it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even dawn on them. Oh, perhaps if I made like a really bad dad joke or something, right. Uh -huh. We even have, we even, we even ridicule fathers in their joke telling, like it's, it's I shouldn't have said that. Right. I just heard it myself it's a whole culture against fathers yeah. that we live in and now, and now even more against mothers yeah. It's against family against the nuclear family. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's really, I think it's powerful framing you've got there too, because the teacher has previously on this old paradigm viewed as the spigot of knowledge, right? It's very yes. top down. Like all the yes. students are there to just drink from the spigot of knowledge from on high, as we said, but please, that's please, not, teacher, can I learn more? Please tell yes. me more, please. Right. But as we know, like if you actually study anything historically or even just engage in authentic conversation yourself, you know, that knowledge doesn't come like that. There's not like knowledge is gifted to some and must be uh, given to others. It's, it, it occurs through dialogue, through this free exchange process we're engaging in right now. So we're back to like asking good questions, right? You need to be able to ask good questions and pursue, again, have the freedom to pursue your own areas of interest. Otherwise your daughter, if she had been forced into some standardized system would have never discovered her gifts, at least to the right. same extent. And by the way, uh, the school environment would have just killed her because she's an introvert. She can't yeah. take being around 30 people or more every day for eight hours. It, it would just slay her. Right. But I also want to touch on um, this other thing that the teacher is the spigot. The other implied lesson is that learning is hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's not. It's worth it, right? So mm -hmm. it's, it's a different thing. So, yes, if you think sitting in a chair and thinking about something is hard, mm -hmm. right? But it's not hard if you have the ability to, to concentrate, to focus, mm -hmm. and to explore. Yes. But don't explore because failure is bad. So don't try or you don't have, don't ask yeah. and don't think. Right. Yeah. And so learning is hard. Well, yeah. When you, when you put all those constraints on it, it's very right. hard. 
But the other thing that I'll say is they, they kill creativity. Mm-hmm. The children are naturally curious. By the time they're finished school, they, they never want to learn anything ever again because their curiosity is killed. Their creativity is, stu- is stifled. And, um, and they think that they've been doing really hard work. Right. Under duress even, right? I mean, let's look, they send home homework. Like all of these paradigms that, that are from the school that we don't question. Mm-hmm. Why are they sending home homework? If I have somebody come clean my house for eight hours, yeah, there better yeah. not be dishes in the sink. <laughs> right? right? And yet we accept as, as rote, uh, uh, under, like just understandable. Well, yeah. of course the kids come home with homework. What are the teachers going to do? I don't right. know. Maybe they should teach. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, wow. That's a very interesting one too, the homework. Um, I There's so much we could talk about here. We're kind of coming up on time. I do oh, want to gosh, ask yeah. you this question. So this idea, I, I heard this a long time ago, the purpose of life is to discover your gifts. The meaning of life is to share those gifts with others. It sounds like this free and open educational system would be more conducive to that. I have, and again, I only have a three and a half year old. I've never done this. You're way more, um, you know way more about this than I. So I'm asking you for kind of my personal use here too. It seems to me what I had in mind when I said world schooling was you just take your child to different interesting cultures and show her different things like, and go out into the world and experience real things, different cultural immersion, let's say. And then give them lots of really good books to read. And maybe the one thing I would like to instill discipline on is the reading itself, just to give them the acquired habit of reading. And then they have the ability to choose whichever direction they want once they can, you know, basically just teach themselves whatever um, path their interest may lead them down. What other components am I missing there? Because it seems like if you're a well-traveled person and you're well-read, you can basically do anything in the world right? You can open a book or turn on YouTube and just figure out how to do these things. What other components of homeschooling or world schooling um, do you think are, are very important for people? So uh, you're way ahead of the game because you are already an outside of the box thinker. And most of us are inside the box thinkers because we grew up in the box, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, why, why, do you, why do you think literature is important? And I can answer that if you want, but. Uh, well, it, I wish I had a, let's see. The more I learn about it, the more important I think it is. It's almost like all this programming of whatever the software we're running between our ears is, it's reflected in literature, right? But, um, our, our books and our mental software seem to have a co-relationship, I'll say. I'm, I'm so glad I asked because that's such a great uh, analogy, I think. Um, good literature takes the human condition and gives us the ability to be an avatar and Mm. experience the human condition in various forms and understand better who we are Mm -hmm. and understand better the world. Bad literature is, is destructive, right? So, and I don't know a whole lot of new literature that I would consider good. So right. I would go right back to the classics. Um, but the, there's another reason 
to to think about literature uh, more deeply because it's important to know history because then you have a sense of a timeline Mm. And you know where you are on it and you know mm. how significant and how insignificant you are. And those are two very important things to understand. Mm-hmm. And so literature can, can expose us to history. Um, so I would, I would say you want to consider, first of all, I would always start with the Bible because there's so much wisdom and knowledge in the Bible. Uh, so that would be right. Part of it. Yeah. Literature is definitely a, an important component and then there's also that, that part of, well, what, what are your daughter's interests? And your interests are cultures and traveling the world. And that may be what, you know, turns her on. And it may not be. Mm-hmm. So I have, two, I have two kids who we traveled a lot. And I got to the point where I, I started to really understand they're just not about travel. They really like home. They really like their friends. They really like being grounded. Hmm. Um, that's not that they don't travel, they will travel, but that's not their, their first thing. My husband loves to travel. He travels a lot all the time and it's never bothered him. And I kind of fall somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, that's something you can give some thought to. Mm. Um, what about, what about math? Well, math is a foreign language. So is Latin. Latin is really useful for, for reading literature, right? right? So these are tools that can help sort of round out her experience. But at the same time, the approach of, let me just give her things and inspire this love of learning. Yes, that's exactly the approach you want because then you'll find she's saying, dad, I wanna, I wanna do some research into philosophy because this guy Socrates is, mm-hmm. is interesting to me, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the, the last thing I'll say on it is that I believe that teachers today focus on asking questions to find out what the student doesn't know. And Mm. I think we ought to rethink that and ask questions to find out what the student does know, Mm. which is what Socrates did. Mm. Right. Um, Yeah. So, so we can sort of rethink the way that we approach that. Great, great insights there. It's just occurring to me that, you know, we also say, we often say live and learn, but living and learning, I mean, they are damn near the same thing, right? Like when we go out into the world, well, I'm not saying- I'm not saying exclusively. I'm just saying that if a life lived well is you're hopefully learning and growing. Otherwise it doesn't seem like yes. life has lived quite so well. Right. When you add the qualifier to, to live well is yeah. to continuously learn. I would absolutely agree. But yes. I know a lot of people who stopped learning ages ago. Right. They got out of school. They were done. Stick a yes. fork in them. They're not going to learn one more thing, you know, and that's a hard life. A life right. where you, where you stop learning is a, is a hard, unf- unfulfilling. Yes. It's not, it's not enjoyable. I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a homeschool expert, right? Huh. I'm still learning. Yes. I'm still discovering um, like this, this whole thing about the fact that our, our midlife crises are virtually engineered in schools from a young age. Wow. It's it, to me is, you know, wackadoodle. Yeah. Here's, here's another thing. Like we're drugging young people because they have attention deficit disorder. Maybe you're just really boring (laughs) and we shouldn't be forcing young men to sit in, in class when they really need to be going out hunting. I've had a few of those professors. I I don't mean hunting necessarily. I just mean when they really should be going outside and, 
camping and and boating, you know, yeah. rowing and all that stuff. Um, but but no, when we're forcing them to sit, when their bodies are developing into you know machines, machinery, yeah. like, but but they're not allowed to to be using the you know climbing trees and you know hitting balls and whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yet we're we're so readily willing to drug them with drugs that are unproven. Mm-hmm. Sure, it helps in the short term. Do we know any long term? No, there have been no long term studies. No, no. We're just it seems like it's fine. Just go right. ahead and give them <laughs> give them the drug. Like to me, that's very that's quite frightening. But that's but that's where our science has brought us, right? Because mm-hmm. it's trust the science. And then by the way, we're throwing science, the, the science that you and I understand, we're throwing mm-hmm. that out the window. Now it's just trust the right. scientist. Right, right. <laughs> Did you see that shift, that yeah. sleight of hand, that quick yeah. switcheroo? <laughs> well, the, back to what we said earlier, where science is questioning, but we're saying trust the science, which is uh, translatable yeah, but, into uh, don't oh, question the good. science. It's like, well, that doesn't, but science is questioning. What? Oh, yeah, that's man. very good. So these so. are... All these things seem really intertwined. You got fiat money, fiat education. Yes. We just started talking about fiat medicine. Um, just this idea of trying to force people to conform to some standardized model seems to inhibit humanity overall. It's like we're constructing a tower of Babel. Yeah, very much. It's like, like you're the one who, in our original exchanges, you you likened the school structure to the structure of the financial system in a sense. Mm. And I, I hadn't actually made that connection. That was, that was big for me and I still haven't processed it. Well, yeah, I'm processing it myself. I'm just seeing more of these manifestations of mm, things that go against freedom. Like anywhere you see things going against freedom, you end up with these weird, kind of pathological outcomes, right? Either the guy that's going through the midlife crisis or the person that stops learning after school. I mean, right. it's, it's bad. It's, it's de-spiriting, you know, it's, it's robbing us of something really important. Um, so yeah, I yeah. don't know. I, I appreciate you for the work you're doing and, and the light you're throwing on all of this. Cause I had not <laughs> thought of this um, to this extent before this conversation. Well, it's, so thank you. For instance, when you're talking about, you know, Bitcoin, what we can't even process it because all we've grown up with, and, and I go into this in, um, in the playbook, the Soc- Socrates cave, Plato's cave, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've grown up, we've steeped in dollars. Mm-hmm. And so now you want me to transfer wealth into this ephemeral digital, mm-hmm. but, but if I if I take a step back, where's my money? Right. It's digital. Right. It's already it's, digital. It's, yeah. it's on my app, on my yes. phone. It's completely digital. Yeah. Why should it be a problem to go digital since I'm already did? They've they've got me digitally. Right. right. Yes. But but it's it's still this leap because I'm and by the way, I use cash a lot. Yeah. Like I like I like that. I, I just feel like it's retaining some vestige of power. But of course, what you're saying is, no, the cash is just representative of a, a crumbling education system, a crumbling financial system in a sense, right? It's, it's yeah. this whole house of cards. Well, you just hit the nail on the head where you said it's already digital. So it's just a right. database, right? It's like who That's owns right. what? It's a list of who owns what. 
essentially. The difference is the dollar is a database that gets modified at will by the Fed and the Bitcoin is a database that doesn't get modified. So the one that doesn't get modified gives you more freedom because you're not getting robbed, essentially. Um, right. And yeah. So uh, I just want to say before we go, I've started an online community because um, social media is attacking me. Facebook is you must be doing you know, something right. I guess so. And so this online community, and by the way, what I think we are, I think we're entering into a new era where people are saying, you know, the social media stuff, it's not fulfilling. Yeah. It's not filling. It's, yeah. it's not. Um, yeah, it doesn't feed me. And what I and and frankly, I, I barely do it like I like I'm trying to do it to get my brand out there to raise people's awareness. Yeah. Um, but in as much as having like actual conversations with people, which are the which are the meaningful part of life. Yeah. Um, and, and the wealth exchange. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or the growth. Uh, the online communities are, I think, where it's going. And so my mm. online community is called Underground Education. And um, and I'm going to be doing trainings there and stuff to to try to set people free from the mindset mm. that we've all been instilled. If you went to public school or even private school, because private schools operate on the same paradigm, mm. like yeah. maybe they throw some God in there, but honestly, it's a godless paradigm. So I don't know yeah. what you're hoping for in the yeah. sense, right? So um, so that's my that's my shift now is to go into this uh, worldwide community, right? Reach more people um, and speak truth when you can. Beautiful. Well, thank you for doing that. I, I want to learn more about this community myself. Just, uh, you know, got a lot yeah. of educational plans to, to put in motion here. Uh, well, you'd have a lot to offer too, because, because of the way you think about things. And I, I'm so grateful for the time uh, spent with you because I, I've learned a lot. So thank you for that. Well, thank you as well. This has been really enjoyable for me. Um, do you want to let my audience know where they can find out more about you or your work? Should they go to your Twitter page or, or where would you send them? No, no, just samsorbo.com. My, my website has everything on there, all my books and uh, the community and the, the conference and everything. Yeah. Wonderful. Samsorbo.com. Samsorbo.com. And we will link to all of that in the show notes as well. Sam, thank you again. Thanks so much for having me. 